everyone and welcome or welcome back to the Stu Simpson show. In this season of the show we talk about spirituality and so far we've delved into everything from the Church of England, paganism, the Church of Jesus Christ of the Latter-day Saints, Transcendental Meditation, the Camino de Santiago, Light Healing in Costa Rica and so much more. Today's very special guest is another incredible person on their very own spiritual journey and I'm fascinated by everything I've seen and read about them online. So I want to dig a bit deeper and get to know Mark Whiting or aka Shakti as I think we will call you from this point forward. Hello Shakti, how are you today? <laughs> Hello Stu, thank you very much for inviting me along to come and speak to you. I'm very well today folks. It's an absolute pleasure. So let's begin with a bit of background. Who is Shakti? Well, I'm a small town boy, country boy, born in the East Anglian countryside, grew up in a little town called Stowmarket. Was a bright kid, went off to Cambridge University to study history and ended up in coming out during my third year of university and kind of dropping out of the system. I didn't uh, buy into the whole career idea i just rushed off to london to look for fun and look for love oh lovely. what were you studying i was studying history i got my degree and uh and i socialized a lot yeah. <laughs> and, uh, and then when i came to london i raced to sort of find my space here and 35 36 years later here i still am uh, south london and now uh living in my little council flats and uh Happily enjoying being part of this London energy all these years. Excellent. And it, London does have very specific energy. Because I'm I'm not a small town boy. I'm originally from Newcastle, but then I moved to a tiny little village. And um and then I moved to London because I couldn't drive at the time. So and now and I hated it for like the first four years, and now I can't get enough of it. So I, I totally understand that vibe. But I wasn't really a big one for partying or clubbing much. Um, because for me, I was I was brought up in the in the era around HIV and AIDS, which will come up upon later. So that kind of, and also a Catholic, so that kind of like put a lot of pressure. And, and I thought, no, I don't like clubs. Clubs not for me, the music's terrible. So, so <laughs> which, which clubs were you going to back in the day? Oh, right. Well, in the 80s, it was the Bell in King's Cross where I found my home. The Bell was the, the one and only alternative venue in London at the time where you found the, the, the gay punks, uh skinheads uh bleach flat tops is where they played alternative rock music and things so that was that was mainly my locale until house music arrived when house music arrived i suddenly the disco scene became very much my home and it was heaven uh several times a week heaven nightclub dancing to the great acid house music in the late 80s early 90s and then i was a south london boy mainly market tavern and Boxall Tavern were my places in the early 90s. Oh, how much fun. So, sounds groovy. The bell sounds like it would have been my cup of tea. Because I love a bit of rock and a bit of punk. That's kind of where I'm at, really. Uh, so where where does the name Shakti actually come from? What does it mean? So the name Shakti was born in a jungle in India. So it comes from, this, from an Indian jungle. Uh, and it refers to my fairy nature as a priest of the goddess. So I'll say a bit more. This name was given to me in India by a bunch of people. I've met mystical adventurers that I met uh, who were shocked by my Shakti, i.e. shocked by my inner feminine and shocked by my attunement to the feminine in everything, the goddess, my attunement to the goddess in, in all things. Uh, so my name refers to my aim in life to deliver the shock to the world that we forgot the goddess. 
the world, went to sleep and forgot the goddess. She was pushed out of our awareness. Uh, but also the shock of gay people's deep association with the goddess historically. Mm-hmm. Now, it's about the suppression of the divine feminine. I take the name Shakti to honor the divine feminine and to, uh, to express that it's through the feminine that we as humans get to experience our oneness with each other and our oneness with all creation. It's through the feeling body, through the feminine presence of spirit that we can experience directly our connection to everything. But by suppressing the feminine and suppressing the feminine in men, gay men, um, that gets cut out of people's consciousness and that ability to tune into that oneness is cut out from our consciousness. If I can throw in something from an African teacher that I found once, as an African teacher of the mother mind. We each have in us a warrior mind and a mother mind. The warrior mind is the individual, the left brain, the individual I am finding is their way in the world. The mother mind also exists in us all, the right hemisphere. The mother mind is the intuitive, imaginative connection to everything. And through the mother mind, we can know and experience our connection with everything. But in the West, we don't develop the mother mind. We've been closed off from the mother mind. But we can reclaim the mother mind very, very easily by being a mother to the world, approaching the world as a mother would approach the world, caring with compassionately for it all. So that was my spiritual journey, the mother mind waking up in me, the goddess waking up in me. I realized that this is just a huge part of our human nature that we've lost touch with. And Shakti was to shock the world back into awareness of it. Wonderful. I love that. I love that so much. I, I can absolutely relate because um, growing up in an all boys school as a Catholic uh, in a very, very masculine work, but also feeling extremely sensitive um, and I had to repress an awful lot. I mean, even to myself, I've only just in the last few, for example, I've just started watching Sex in the City. It's a very feminine thing. <laughs> uh, and I love it. And there's so much of that side of of myself, which I've repressed over the years. Uh, and it's only as a as a becoming more comfortable with who I am, I'm taking on more colour in what I'm wearing and the way I'm, I'm just being as a person. So I can I, I absolutely totally respect the fact that you've taken on that name and that you've taken on the feminine nature within and that you've put it out there into the world. It's, 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 it's beautiful. And I was also reading on your blog, uh, Rainbow Messenger, there's loads of fascinating stuff. It's It says that you're an awakener, an explorer of spiritual consciousness. Spiritual consciousness? Uh, what does that actually mean? Okay, right. Thank you for the question. Okay, well, awakener because for me, it was very dramatic, the shift from atheism to uh, to spirituality was a dramatic awakening. I gave, I gave up on Jesus and Christianity at the age of 12, very consciously let it go, convinced by the materialist scientific education at school that, that religion was nonsense. So at 12, I became an atheist and I was one of those very, very hardline, closed mind atheists. Uh, so when finally I sat down age 30, five years after my HIV diagnosis and starting to become quite sick with AIDS symptoms and 
started talking to the universe and saying, well, why, if I was born, if I'm going to die, why was I born in the first place? I started asking the questions of life and a very dramatic transformation began for me. <clears throat> I became aware of a spiritual layer to existence and that I had completely you know, been closed mind to. Maybe growing up as a Catholic, you, your experience was quite different. Always having a sense of there being something there, just maybe having issues with how, how you were supposed to relate to it. Whereas I, by, by absolutely being convinced that there was no spiritual reality, we lived entirely in a material world. Uh, when the spiritual reality suddenly appeared in my life, it was a dramatic. That's why I call myself an awakener. And I believe that you know, I'm one of many people who are due to awaken and are awakening all over the planet mm. all the time yeah. to, to the to a broader reality. Um, so I applied my historian training at this point, and I put this Cambridge degree to some use at last. I studied the world's religions. I did what any intelligent, rational person would do when confronted by a big question, is I went and studied the source materials, every single one of them, and then I studied the progress of human spiritual evolution over the centuries, the mystical teachings, the mystery schools, mm -hmm. the magical paths. I understood the difference between spirituality, which to me is about connecting us to all that is, and religion, which is kind of about going through the priests to get to all that is, and yeah. you only go, and only if you obey their rules. Uh, and Rosa, that's why I had to reject religion. It, it didn't work for my soul. It didn't relate to me. Uh, that it, it, I came to see nature-based religions, the nature-based pre-Christian religions where the divinity was seen as present in the body, seen as present in nature, and seen as feminine. But this was what called me to, to explore. So, um, HIV, yes, was my doorway to this. I sat down and uh, figured I was going to die. I was told I was going to die. So I sat down and started asking these questions. And then I became gradually aware that as a queer being, I have an intimate relationship with the spirit world. And I started to discover that historically, this is there's plenty of this has always been the case that queer people and spirituality have been uh, deeply associated. So I dove in to open my own consciousness, achieve my own consciousness. I thought I was going to die. So I realized my own consciousness is the tool I have to explore the universe with. So I studied magical transformational paths and prepared myself to journey back to spirit. And instead of which I opened up to awareness of this multidimensional reality and to my role as a priest who can open the gates to that reality. And that priestcraft comes through the, my gender interplay inside me. It comes through my crashing of the smashing of duality and smashing of the binaries, the binaries of male and female to us exist beyond that. And also the binaries of matter and spirit. Hmm that we exist in both. Wow. So you said um, there that you're a priest in, in a way. Um, what does that involve? So that involves um, attuning to the 
sacred dimension, mm-hmm. sacred dimension of life, bringing, bringing awareness of the sacred dimension into one's experience and into the experience of others who, who wish to have that. So I, for example, run a full moon drum circle in London yeah. every month. Been doing that 15 years. <clears throat> there I'm in the role of the moon priest to attune us to the, again, the, the feminine, the subtle, intuitive, emotional and spiritual energies that are going on. By honouring the full moon uh, every month with an ecstatic drumming, uh, dancing session, we literally release energies out of our bodies, reconnect the ecstatic uh, nature of the soul to create health, to create yeah. health and well-being. And is that with um, the the group the group that I came across through your um, festival through well through Queer Spirit Festival? Uh, is that the, to do with the fairies as well? The radical fairies I, I met in two thousand and one, having gone through my own personal transformation on the AIDS journey, I was then looking for other queer spirits to share that energy with. I found queer pagans in the UK and I found radical fairies in Europe, where I loved fairy gatherings. And within a few years was soon organizing fairy gatherings in Britain with, with a few other people. And 20 years later, nearly where this is going strong, we have a lot of community gatherings here in the UK. And yes, I run the drum circles in London, which are a space where people can come and meet other fairies meet fairies meet other queer spiritual seekers share them and also create energy together create ritual together play together so you're creating rituals so they're not something which has been passed down it's something which you can like make and uh yeah how, how do you make a ritual so i think as as queers exploring our spirituality we have complete freedom to do to explore and play here uh what do you do to make a ritual well the fundamentals are that you attune to the earth you attune to the air which is the mind you attune to the water which is our feeling body and you attune to the fire which is the spirit and creativity within us and a ritual is about bringing energies together so the transformation can 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 happen Excellent. so maybe the, it, it could be done quietly through meditations it can be done very ecstatically and joyfully and that's that's what i really love to bring to people yeah i found a lot of that energy at, uh, at your festival the queer spirit festival and that was for me an extremely life-changing thing uh it really kind of blew apart actually it shocked my ego <laughs> it shocked uh, an awful lot of uh preconceived ideas what I had and so, so much so I had to actually back away at one point from the festival because I kind of got a little bit freaked out uh, but also to do with the fact that maybe the universe was taking part in, in a weird way because a friend of mine lent me a tent there was no poles in the tent couldn't find somewhere to sleep somebody let me let me a tent so then one night I turned up and there was somebody asleep in this tent so I went to sleep in my car it all just became a bit too much <laughs> so uh, so I ended up going to stay in a hotel, then I came back for, for the festival. Um, and other friends who was, who was supposed to be camping with was like, ah, <laughs> this was all very common people and your dad can save you now, all that sort of stuff. Um, so the idea of the Queer Spirit Festival, it's astonishing, but where did it all begin? <laughs> The roots are in radical fairy gatherings, in queer pagan camps in the UK, in Edward Carpenter community gatherings, 
which are gay men's retreats that have been happening in the UK since the 1980s. Because these were all kind of gatherings of maybe 30, 50, maybe 100 people, and never any larger than that. But during these gatherings, a special spirit would be experienced, would be encountered, as a special certain degree and intensity of togetherness and um, reconnection and transcendence that was not normal life experience. So these would be hugely profoundly healing and uh, personally uplifting transformations that people undergo. These mm. queer gatherings that were happening in the early 2000s. And from those, some of us really felt the desire to bring this experience to a larger number of people. Uh, how can you bring this level of intimacy and openness that gay people have with each other at radical fairy gatherings? How can we bring that to the wider, bigger gay queers community? So Queer Spirit Festivals are attempt to do that. Um, I, from your reaction, I believe we we, we succeeded. Yeah, <laughs> uh, we brought a profoundly life changing experience. But the 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 simplicity of it is, it's just queers being real with each other. Queers allowing themselves to be open-hearted, open-minded, and connected to nature. Mm. It showed me That's a lot. That's what creates it. Sorry, mm. go on. No, it showed me that I have a lot of work to do. That was, and then, I mean, the last, when was the last um, festival? It was about three. 19, 2019. Yeah, and, yeah. and I've, I've done a lot of work since then, uh, like through meditation and Wim Hof method. And it, and now I'm considering doing the um, Camino de Santiago. And uh, maybe one of the beginning points for for some of this work that I need to do was at Queer Spirit and kind of, I mean, I, I cried a lot <laughs> in a good way, in a good way. It, it, it really did sort of shift some stuff and made me really, it showed, showed me a mirror about kind of um, a lot of pain I'm still carrying about being identifying as a gay man and being a part of the of under the queer umbrella and we seem to and you're helping um re-empower the word queer uh, is would you say that's fair uh, i i guess we're part of that process i'd say the word queer has been re-empowered since the 1980s act up queer nation we're very much the first to take that on board queer theory hmm. developing in academic circles ever since then uh, so yeah, I like the word queer. I believe it's a beautiful umbrella word for us all. I understand why some people don't like it, why they consider it painful word because of its use as an insult against people like us. But the same with fairy. I mean, I was called a fairy as a kid, mm. frankly, and it was not meant politely, but I'm happy to call myself a fairy now because I've, came, I've claimed the power that's yeah. in the word fairy. And I think there's a lot of power in the word queer. I also know that in the UK, pre-1970, queer was a much more common word that we ourselves used uh, for us. Gay did not really exist in the UK until the 1970s, it came from America. Uh, the queer was, as far as I can tell from speaking to older gay friends, not universally used as an insult. It was what queer people uh, used it to define themselves even then, yeah. if they were comfortable with the word. So yeah, I like I like queer. It's a good umbrella word. Hmm. I was I was talking to you know, name drop a sort of friend of mine, Tom Robinson, uh, and he was he he told, he said that queer just covered everything, and to me, that one label just helps. It really instead of going you're gay, you're bisexual. It's because 
etc 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 i think it reminds us too i hopefully i hope that queer reminds us that that to define ourselves by our sexuality is 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 so limiting yeah uh, this this was invented in the late 19th century and uh, the 20th century. Uh, we've taken on board these sexuality labels, mm-hmm. but that unfortunately limits our own conception of yeah. who we are, as well as the as well as the world's conception of who we are. And that's why I prefer words like fairy and queer mm-hmm. because they are they come from us. They can be our own define. They can have our own meaning and definition. So let's. I want to talk a little bit about queer spirit. Why yeah. motivation for that? Um, yeah. From the uh, well, from those that remembered me and my friends, whatever that remembered or woke up to the fact, discovered the fact that this deep association throughout world history of queerness and the sacred. Mm-hmm. This is what I want to reclaim through Queer Spirit Festival. It's the motivation for the festival. Because on one level, the festival is a space for us as queers to yeah, look into wellness and healing and wholeness and our path. Uh, on another, it's very much about recognizing that we already have our own spirit, our own spirituality. Uh, but we don't have, you know, we don't need to na- negotiate with religions. We are our own queerness is a spiritual nature of its own, in its own right. Now to get that, I think we can um, decolonize sexuality. We can, we can look at the rest of the world's experience, the pre-Christian world's experience and understanding of queerness. Hmm. When European explorers set out, for, particularly from the 15th century to explore the rest of the world, they found same-sex activity, relationships, they found transgendered beings, everywhere they went and they and on every continent they found an association between those people and the the spiritual side of the communal life the most obvious example most famous example perhaps was the native american two spirits um, who were called by the european the badash mm-hmm. and this word badash stuck for 500 years but badash at the time was a french word meaning a bottom yeah, yeah uh, it was a Euro, it was well a common word in Europe. It actually with um, it had Persian origins as well, with the implication of a slave boy, a kept boy. Uh, Badash was someone who got fucked. Right. Uh, and that word was what they called the shamans of the Native Americans. It was only really? in 1990 that the Two Spirit movement was born. They ditched the Badash word and said, "Well, we're going to call ourselves Two Spirits now." because two spirits closer to the words that the original tribes used. Hmm. Which were, uh, the original names for the shamans always seemed to refer to the fact that they were both man and woman, or that they were connected to the moon uh, and were somehow priestly moon people. Uh, and so it is with shamanic people, shamanic cultures the world over. The very word shaman originally means soft man. The original, the original, Siberian shamans, Eskimo shamans that the Europeans discovered there, they were still living in such old traditional styles. That was it. They were cross-dressing and uh, the, the names for them implied things like soft men. Wow. 
So this is the cultural history from the, the whole world. We could talk about it in Africa, Australia, Asia, Oceania. There are examples everywhere of, of queer or third gendered people, people who blurred the gender divisions mm. uh, serving in the spiritual well-being of the community. Now, if we look back at Europe, it was here too. In pre-Christian pre Europe and the Middle East, the goddess temples uh, for at least 6,000 years, possibly longer, hmm. were largely run by queer priests. Amazing. There were women priests, there were women priestess classes, and there were queer priest classes. Every goddess had them. The most famous, the very first priest on the priesthood on the planet that we know of is the Gala priests of Inanna. Gala was represented in cuneiform alphabet by the symbols for penis and anus. Right. Uh, the galas were very known for their homosexual activity. And uh, the, the, the rituals, the legends of Inanna talk about how these people were actually created, that queer, transgender, third gender people, same sex oriented people were created to be her priests. Wow. So we, the legends actually say that. Yeah. Let's go back to 10,000 BC. We were created to be her priest, to rescue the goddess from the underworld. That's what we did in the ancient Mesopotamian legends. And I believe that's what we have to do today as well. This is still our job. And now we no longer remember that we're her priests. Hmm. At the time Christ was born, we were everywhere. Gay priesthoods were everywhere. Artemis just up the road from, from, from Israel, there from Jerusalem in Ephesus, uh, was the big uh, temple of Artemis with her eunuch priests who had been there for 10,000 years. Cybele was the great mother goddess of the Roman Empire. Her, her queer priests are, are known from 6,000 BC in Turkey, and they were brought into the Roman Empire because she was the great mother of the world and the Romans wanted her on side. And once she arrived, yeah, the empire, boom, the whole expansion of the empire happened. And wherever the empire went, she went. Her worship was taken by her queer trans priests, the Gala, the Galli, uh, Isis, mm. uh, Aphrodite, any goddess you mention, they've got a, they've got a queer priest class. The very first actions of the Roman Christian Roman emperors were against these priesthoods. The first homophobic actions were against these priesthoods. In 390, uh, there was a particular spate of destroying these priest classes, destroying the goddess temples. And uh, then a, in four, a few de decades after that, you suddenly get laws saying that gay men should be burnt flames. Mm. Uh, the rise of homophobia was totally related to eradication of paganism and replacement of that with Christianity. But people were not going to suddenly accept straight priests. People were used to the priests being gay. Yeah. So Christianity had to tell its priests, you're not allowed to get married. Yeah. <laughs> and you're not allowed to have sex. Uh, later on, so they tried, the first 400 years of official Christianity is really Christianity trying to control the priests, the sex lives of their priests. <laughs> and then about 1200 AD, they suddenly get very, very confident and start trying to control the priesthoods of the rest of the population, the sexuality of the rest of the population too. 
but throughout that time, Christianity continued to attract gay men always and mm. lesbians into into <laughs> service. That's always throughout history we've, yeah. we've been there. We you know, and at the same time we were often executed and murdered just for being we are. But the intimate relationship between gayness, queerness, and the spiritual is 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 never going to go away. Mm. It, it's who we are. But what do we do as queer spirits? Well, African teachings say that we're the gatekeepers. That our job is as gatekeepers of consciousness. What we do is this, we open up, like that we are nature's natural priests. We open up through our own bodies, the connection to the earth and the connection to the sky. Mm. And we bring that connection in for the whole community. That's what the gatekeepers do. Malidoma, Somme, Subonfu Somme, who I've written about on my blog and, and I quote all their passages at length that they talk about us as the gatekeepers. Yeah. Uh, they're from the Dagara tribe in Western Africa. To this day, this tribe still carries this wisdom, still has this knowledge. That's amazing. So there we go, a queer spirit. I hope that we can find a space where queers can reclaim, can seek our own health and personal mm. individual wholeness and spirituality, but we can also proclaim and celebrate our spiritual history, which is massive, yeah. and work out quite what it means for us today. Well, you've just made me realise something. Um, as I, as I was as I alluded to earlier, I was brought up a Catholic, and I actually wanted to be a priest until I was seventeen, and I came to terms with my sexuality. And now, that is, and you're saying that we've forgotten who we are as people. Uh, is is um in the, in that sense of maybe that's a, a priesthood that I was being called to, but not from the Catholic Church. That's, that's, that's fascinating. I really said, thank you so much for that, that just little snippet of information. I believe that's absolutely bang on, Stu. Yes, I believe many of us feel that calling. And of course, many gay men do go into the church mm. and, deal, and then deal with, with all of that. And the church will change in its time. In the meantime, there's still the journey of the goddess of reclaiming our connection to the divine feminine that that i indeed believe is what many of us are actually called here to do that makes absolute sense to me i mean because i then after that i became and then i kind of embraced atheism and i just got very very lost um for it was my, my partner's quite a stoic atheist and is is very good at it <laughs> it's, it's it can can handle life in in that sort of in that way and i found it i found it very difficult not believing in something other than um this connection to something that other than just me myself and i it's uh for me the need the, there's a need for that connection with earth and in spirit and everything else that's absolutely that's absolutely it i believe that's how many of us are designed to be and we do that for ourselves but also for the people around us mm. so it's about honoring the ancestors i have a you know i have a shrine in my home where i honor the spirit and i honor the ancestors to keep them in my awareness, mm. connected to them, and then they are in my energy field. Um, I create these ceremonies with dancing and drumming so that we can remember and experience these states of connection. It's not so that we then leave normal life and don't and just run off and disappear into a, into a, into a monastery. It's so that we can fully embody 
the the presence and awareness of connection to to all these supportive energies here in the world and bring them into the world that's beautiful and i see you you've also um read written books and you've written a book called from aids to maternity and then i went a bit down further on your blog and you've written lots and lots of books <laughs> you've written loads no of books. i've written three i've published three books of poetry and uh most of eternity is is my story but also my reflections on gay spirituality and the, the evolution of the queer spiritual movement over the last few decades and so that history is in there uh and the poetry books are uh called age shaman one, two, three, and they are mixtures of my poems plus quotations from queer ancestors, all designed to help us retrain how we think about what it means to be queer, to embrace queerness as a spiritual, evolutionary, radical, transformatory energy in the world and uh, help us embody that. I think I'm going to go to your website and I'm going to buy one of them books because I think it's a, it's something that I need. <laughs> so if anybody, any of the listeners out there who are listening to the show today also want to go on that journey as well, where can they find out that information? What's uh, Where can they buy the books? <laughs> <laughs> okay, uh, well, I blog, as you've mentioned already, on rainbowmessenger.blog. Uh, my books are on sale on, on, uh, directly from lulu.com. You simply search for Shakti at lulu.com, you will come across my books. You can buy them on other uh, sites as well, but lulu.com is, is the direct publisher, and I get I actually get some of the money, a little bit more of the money, a little bit of money if you get it from there. You can also find my writings and things on queerspirit.net and the Queer Spirit Facebook group. I think that's a good way to track me down. Queer Spirit Facebook group or queerspirit.net is a good way to track me down if people want to. And when is the next Queer Spirit Festival? We are not going ahead this year. We, we put a, some effort, quite a lot of effort into exploring over the last six months to find a site. It just didn't work out for us. So I have the feeling that the spirit will say, no, hang on, it's not quite the right time yet. And um, judging by the way that the world is shaking and rocking, I think yeah, we have to wait a little bit longer. But hopefully 2023, so. Excellent. Well, I hope I see you there and with Big Boys Camp, maybe. Fingers crossed. Yes, indeed. <laughs> Thank you ever so much, Shakti. It's been lovely. I could talk to you for hours about this stuff, um, but we haven't got that long. <laughs> so I feel I feel we've touched the tip of the iceberg. Yeah, but, uh, absolutely. It's, it's it's this is the future, really. This is about mm. queers exploring the, the the missing dimension. You know, liberation, gay liberation, has achieved so much on the social, political. Uh, uh, legal terms, but uh, liberation is actually a spiritual concept. We need to take it into the spiritual realm there. We do. May we... I throw in there that uh, in the early 20th century, you had uh, gay men such as Richard Bach, Edward Carpenter, writing about their experiences of cosmic consciousness. Yes. These were religion-free experiences of entering another layer of reality, the layer of reality where you still retain your individuality, but you experience that you are part of a oneness. Mm. You experience that directly. Now, I would say that was what happened to me. I had an awakening to cosmic consciousness. And my studies show me that this is a normal phenomenon in human society. And, and, and if anything, our modern society is sick because mm. it denies this phenomenon and it denies access. And those who are naturally 
moving into this awareness tend to get medicated, told they're sick, uh, even even locked away. Yeah. Whereas in a shamanic culture, they would be nurtured into opening and understanding that. Now they they tried to medicate me. They tried to lock me away when I was waking up to this. But I believe I was nurtured and looked after directly by the spirit. Amazing. So because I'm I'm touching on cosmic consciousness consciousness through transcendental meditation. Um, what are your practices? What helps you get in touch with the cosmic cos consciousness? I can't even say it. <laughs> Uh, devotion is my primary practice to be in an emotional relationship with the universe. Yeah. Uh, then I express that through stillness of meditation, but also through drumming and ecstatic dance and also cannabis smoking yeah. is my sacred herb. Excellent, excellent. Well, Shakti, it's been beautiful. As as you are, you've got a, a wonderful spirit and uh, it's an absolute pleasure. And um, I, yeah, namaste, my friend. <laughs> Namaste. Game to that. Absolutely. <laughs> Wonderful. Hopefully see you soon. Lots of love and thank you so much for being on the Stu Simpson show. Blessed be, Stu. Take care. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. <laughs>